0: Hello and welcome to Better Beings, a podcast bringing ideas for happier, more balanced and fulfilling lives. Better Beings brings together innovative and diverse thinkers to discuss the key challenges facing humanity, from the worlds of business, creativity, spirituality and wider society. We believe that a more human approach will unlock the future we need. kinder connection to ourselves and each other is the starting point. Better Beings is a home for diversity of thought and backgrounds and a safe space for authentic and challenging perspectives. Our guest today is Andrew Hunt, founder and marketer of West Africa's superfoods company Aduna. To find out more about Andrew and Aduna's work, please visit the show notes for further details. Everything else will come out in our conversation. I'm Joel Brevet and I'm joined by my co-host Michael Johnston.
1: Very good. Well, welcome, Andrew. This is rather a rather a nice treat. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Good. 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 Um, so I know you pretty well, Andrew. But Joel and Andrew, do you want to say hello to each other?
0: Yeah, like nice to nice to see you. I'm familiar with the business because I used to work at the Africa Centre and was working oh, with yeah. the Great Green Wall uh, oh. project. And so I think I met some of your colleagues. Oh, okay. uh, when I was working with, uh, yeah, the, the the United Nations uh, anti-desertification team.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. When was that? How long ago was that?
0: That would have been uh, uh, two years prior to pandemic. I mean, that feels like a, a, a lost period of time. Oh, so yeah. that must be about 20, 2018, maybe. 20, oh, yeah, right.
2: 2018. Okay. Wow. Okay. Cool. Nice. I Actually, you had asked me if I'd met Joel before, and I there was another Joel that I'd met that you have a, another friend of yours called Joel that I'd met, I think, at um, mm. the screening that you had.
1: Oh, yes. Joel yeah. Bakken. Yes, yes. Yeah,
2: yes, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So he might, be,
1: he might be a guest soon. We're, I mean, we're, we're getting, we're testing ourselves out with some of the kind of lesser known people. And then we're going <laughs> like to move on to the big, yeah. big, big, big guns like Joel yeah. Bakken. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> right. Nice one. Let's get it. Let's get on with this. So, Andrew. Can you tell us a little bit about Aduna, please?
2: Yeah, so Aduna, uh, first of all, it's a it's a Wolof word, uh, and Wolof is the the language uh, one of the main local languages of the Gambia and Senegal, um, and it also comes from the Arabic dunya, which means world. So it means life or world. But actually, if you ask someone um, in Gambia or Senegal what does Aduna mean, they'll tell you it's much more than that it's it's actually like the interconnectedness of all living things and it's a world where if you do good things then good things will happen and if you do bad things then that might backfire so it's kind of like a west african version of karma almost
1: Mm, nice how did you what yeah why the west africa connection where's this all come from
2: so um I started off my working life in the advertising industry um, and helping to create and launch brands for big multinational companies, generally promoting products that I didn't care about or, in some cases, actively disagreed with for clients who didn't really seem to um, appreciate it very much. And I ended up asking myself, you know, what am, what am I doing with my life? You know, is this really what... I'm here on earth to do. Um, and that questioning turned into an existential crisis. Um, and this is age 25, by the way. So that's um, 20 years ago.
1: Ooh, so yes, old.
2: I know. <laughs> um, and the existential crisis turned into a full-blown breakdown. Um, I had quit my job my relationship broke down. I ended up unemployed in a downward spiral, ended up actually clinically depressed um, and suicidal. And I was in that state for six months. And during that time, I tried everything from um, antidepressants, psychotherapy, um, yoga, acupuncture. In my desperation, I went for faith healing Uh, And nothing made any difference until one day I got this random phone call from a family friend um, who I hadn't seen in a couple of years, who happens to be a farmer. And um, he said, look, I heard you, you might be looking for something and we've got this project in the Gambia and I need help with marketing. And if we would pay for your flight and put you up somewhere, would you come and help out for a few weeks? And at that point, um, I wasn't interested. Um, I'd never been to sub-Saharan Africa before. Um, and it didn't seem like a good idea in the state that I was in, clinically depressed. You know, when you're in that state, you're not really interested in anything, let alone, you know, being adventurous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thankfully for me, friends and family put me um, put me on the airplane. And um, just a few weeks later, I... I rocked up in um, the Gambia, which is known as the Smiling Coast of Africa, and I arrived there clinically depressed. Um, and it's yeah it's something of a, a miracle in my personal life that having been suffering for six months and seeing nothing but darkness and honestly believing that my life will never be the same again, it took just three weeks of arriving in Gambia and I came out of it. And um, I kind of, yeah, I came out of it and I became so alive and woke up to this extraordinary, um, vibrant place that I was living. Um, And instead of staying for six weeks, I ended up staying for um, almost four years, Um, ended up running this small social agribusiness that was, Um, working with local farmers to um, connect them to the market. And um, I just got very inspired. I got inspired by um, Gambia and West Africa in general, having traveled around there quite extensively, Um, but also by a form of business, entrepreneurial business, um, whereby the better the business does, as in the more products it sells, the more positive impact that it makes. And I was seeing, you know, cause I was responsible for actually um, buying um, fruits and vegetables from, from farmers. And I was working with them in partnership and said, look, you grow this whole field of tomatoes and I guarantee I will buy it for you for 25 to last a kilo. And then I would go back three months later, you know, I'll, we'll harvest the tomatoes I'll pay the cash. And then you see the impact just a couple of weeks later, kids that weren't in school are now in school, all the families building a, an extra room on their house so they don't all have to sleep in the same room anymore. And, you know, just day by day, week by week, seeing this kind of tangible impact on the lives of people who I knew personally and got to know their families personally, that just felt really, really good for my soul. Um, and so that was really three and a half years of, of doing that was the inspiration for starting Aduna.
0: Excellent. I think like I really want to touch on that. Like, I mean, there's such a, a kind of like a heartwarming story and that idea that when you arrived that it was something maybe like cultural or maybe something in the characteristics of the people who you met that kind of inspired that from you and very much with this podcast about like being rather than doing I just wonder like you know what that being was and what it was that you felt from the people that you were able to then bring
2: into your own life that maybe woke you out of your depression yeah totally 100 percent um I remember one of the guys I was working with in the Gambia uh was curious to ask me how how is how is it like living in London you know what was your life in London where do you live And I explained to him, I live in a flat, you know. Um, He said, who lives with you? I'm like, I know I live on my own. And he was, you know, his face kind of scrunched up and he was like, on your own? I was like, (laughs) he said, so who, you know, who greets you when you you get home from work? (laughs) I was like, nobody, you know, maybe put on the radio or put the TV on or something like that. The experience of being in Gambia is the opposite of that, is being... You know, my experience, I was very lucky because I ended up living in the compound. And in in Gambia, they use the word compound to mean a kind of a, a gated, a walled dwelling for an extended family. So inside the compound, you may have several dwellings, but they're all to do with the family. So I was living in this kind of small house inside this guy's family compound. And I was in a very local area. And um, it was completely the opposite experience of this alienating London um, urban experience that we have today. It was the opposite, because every day when I'm walking back from work, everyone in the street is greeting me. Um, You know, the local kids who live in that street are so enthusiastic, coming up, asking me to play football with them. I'm being invited to drink green tea, drink Scrabble, come and have dinner here, share our food with us, sit outside. And like, it's this communi- community, you know, and it is that human dimension to life, um, which um, I think I was, you know, is in retrospect, you know, was definitely a deficient deficiency. And I think so many people are living in deficiency of community, human community, in the way that, you know, um, modern urban life has ended up, um, being structured. So I think that was a really key thing. And then other thing, other things is, um, you know, that big yellow thing in the sky, uh, the sun, um, the, the difference that that makes, I find personally speaking, you know, on a daily basis, um, is huge. Um, and, uh, you know, we don't see enough of it over here in London. Um, but it really, you know, it really makes a difference. And then finally, I think um, doing something on a daily basis that felt like being a contribution to other people, feeling that whatever I'm doing is making a difference. Because before that, I felt like I'm doing stuff, but it's not making any difference. You know, it's not helping anyone. I'm getting more people to, to, to buy frozen ready meals, which I think are disgusting myself. I've been to the factory, and I wouldn't touch them with a barge pole, but I'm actually spending my life convincing other people that they should eat them <laughs> that doesn't feel good, so what felt good is actually finding that oh I, I did actually learn some skills and i'm 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 making a difference with the people I'm working with. I'm helping to train people, and also by growing this business, you know we're actually putting money in the hands of people who really need it who are doing you know, sending their kids to school and having like, the, you know, the, the really important basic things that you do if you have got money, you know, and they're now able to do that. And that just felt good for my soul. And to be honest, I'd never done anything like that before. I'd never volunteered. I'd never, had never occurred to me, you know, to do something like that because I was just on this kind of career track, you know, where actually kind of achievement and salary and promotions and, all of that kind of stuff is what you're measuring your success in terms of, you know, and it, all of that is really external validation for, um, you know, for you as a human being. And that is what I think I'm now really distinguishing is, you know, where does the scent, where does our sense of value and worth come from as human beings? Um, and, you know, this is now the arena that I want to really take um Aduna, the brand into into this area that I'm calling, you know, conscious wellness, because um, wellness is not just about nutrition or health. Wellness is about treating other people well. Wellness is about the environment. And if you want to achieve like a state of real wellness, you can't do that um, in isolation. It can't just be about yourself.
0: Yeah. I feel that the words that kind of came to me from what you were saying there was the difference between that your existence in London and then your lifestyle in Gambia is like honesty and integrity almost because when you're selling things you don't believe in to people who it's not going to help as well, I mean, it is very misaligned from an idea of like honesty and integrity. But I wonder, do you think, do you think that like the existing capitalist model allows for honesty and integrity to be things that we can actually tether our like, you know, our our moral North Star too, or is very much the the the, the very being of, of accumulation, financial accumulation, quite dishonest and
2: not very full of integrity. I do I do think it can, and that's you know, that's why the founding of Aduna, because for me I discovered a different form of business. Whereas when I was working in advertising for these big corporations, I was completely turned off. The whole idea of business for me was like a dirty word. I was like, business is toxic. All you're doing is making corporations richer by selling stuff that isn't even good for people. You know, that is basically what's going on. <laughs> to cut a long story short. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this small enterprise, I found within the capitalist within a capitalist dynamic, which is one of supply and demand, you know, for fresh produce in this case, that a model can be created that actually harnesses that capitalist model, but does so in such a way. That is beneficial for all stakeholders, and that is, you know, that was the idea of Aduna because um, we are with Aduna. What, we, what we're focused on is these um, indigenous underutilized species superfoods, um, which can generate um, value for uh, an income for people who need it um, at the, you know, at the community level. And working with the cooperative system, working with um, conservation partners who ensure sustainability and regeneration. So you're, you're utilising the natural resources, the natural capital to generate income and improve livelihoods. And then the product that you're giving, and our products, superfoods, to consumers over here, our customers, is something which is good for them, which is nutritional and nourishing um, and you know foods from around the world and I was listening recently to a podcast about the the microbiome which is really becoming very important in our understanding of, of health you know that's mm-hmm. what digest that's your gut your gut health and how that impacts on your um, emotional health on your brain on your, your whole body your immune system and the guy was saying you need a minimum of 30 different um, plant-based species per week to have a healthy microbiome so we're bringing these you know, diverse foods from around the world um, that are making a, you know, they're making a positive impact to the consumer and that price that's being paid by the consumer, a good part of it is ending up in the hands of people who need it. So for me, that is harnessing the capitalist structure, um, the capitalist dynamic, but modifying it such that it's not extractive, exploitative or unhealthy. Basically, and I think that I think the extractive, um, exploitative, unhealthy is is probably the default model. <laughs> that's probably the eighty percent of of what's going on. So it's easy to say that that it's capitalism itself that's wrong. Um, but I think the you know um, there is there are ways of modifying it um, to make it work. That's my personal
1: what, opinion. What would you say to I'm just thinking, always try to, I guess, broaden this conversation out to be as relevant to as many people as possible. Like, at a time when we are in this profound cost of living crisis, and people are struggling to heat their homes, feed their families, and I guess also in many cases juggling multiple jobs and have have very small budgets to spend on food and so on um the the argument always for some of the bigger food um suppliers out there food retailers food producers is well we provide a low-cost product Mm. for uh, a mass market basically Mm. um so Mm. yes the quality of the food might not be as good as the, the kind of ingredients that are doing supplies, but we are feeding the masses for a, at, at a cheap price point i don't know i'd go go wherever you want with that, but that that often that would be a sort of i guess mm. the more more mainstream counter argument to to or or maybe rationale for for why things are as they are
2: yeah i mean um with food production. You know, um, food systems if you look at it at that level, f- food systems and food production, um, the level of um problem right now is absolutely massive. Um, as in, when you look at the monoculture agriculture, the industrial system of food production, right, mm. which has um, got rid of small holders and put into giant tracts of land um, and then you know is destroying the soil feeding you know feeding the the, the vegetables and fruits with through other means than the soil um, yeah. and <clears throat> and using huge resources of water which aren't co- you know costed in fact into the cost of goods um this is virtual water exports you know so when you're when you're Exporting green beans from Kenya to London—you know the statistics of how much water is used to make 250 grams of green beans. What you're actually exporting is water, and you're exporting water from a place that needs it. So, you know it's very, very complex. But these arguments from the from the supermarkets and the food manufacturers are used to justify um, this extractive method of agriculture to get to the lowest possible cost you know uh that is possible um and it doesn't reflect really the the real cost of that food Mm. so um you know there is going to come a breaking point in that um in that system um particularly when countries say okay you can't have access to the water for free Mm. (laughs) you Mm. know And then what we'll probably find is that the cost of goods is too high to justify bringing it over by, and Hmm. that kind of stuff is brought over by air as well. Don't forget. Um, So the cost is massive in terms of carbon and water versus, you know, eating locally grown produce. Now in our case is not locally grown produce, but we're talking about when it comes to superfoods, we're talking about effectively dried powders um, very nutrient dense dried powders that come by sea, um, you know, in a very low um, kind of carbon way, um, and to your point about the cost of living, um, yeah, I mean, of course, it's a massive, it's a massive headache for a lot of people. Um, what we have, what we do find within our own category of health, healthy foods, and superfoods is that it's counter cyclical so uh, there's this you know thing like the lipstick um, uh, I think it's called the lipstick effect in economics so what happens is that like, okay let's say expenditure on health during tough times people will cut down on a high ticket item like for example going to the spa and instead they'll kind of compensate themselves by a small but premium item like that's why it could be a lipstick you know or right. expensive hand cream, or in our case, you know, superfoods. Because people actually, at times of stress, people prioritise their health, and they should prioritise their health. Because if your stress, your, your your mental stress is compounded by eating food which, or a diet that is, um, you know, is not actually nourishing for you. You're going to end up being even more stressed. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough it's a tough balancing act but I think ultimately you know it, it, there will reach a breaking point in this low cost food where it will be shown that it's, it's not actually environmentally or economically mm. viable to provide the food at that cost without you know destroying
1: um, environment and livelihoods in other, in other parts of the world There's um, I mean it's certain this is getting way too technical I've said I wanted this to be accessible to people but like some of the um carbon accounting and moving some of these external costs onto businesses balance sheet so they own that real impact the, the total impact of what they're doing will just make um these business models increasingly um unsustainable and um, exactly talking yeah. focusing on focusing on more sustainable business models and the uh, I guess well how how are you framing this holistic well-being holistic wellness tell us a bit more about where where you're getting to with... Conscious wellness. Conscious wellness, there we go.
2: Exactly. So the thing is, um, we co-founded Aduna 10 years ago. And at that time, my motivation, my main interest was about making an impact with small-scale farmers and communities in rural Africa. And we started with the one superfood, which was the baobab fruit. Um, And my interest in baobab personally was not as a health product per se, it was as a vehicle to generate income for communities in, in rural Africa and to promote it into the health market and into the superfood market because that was the market for it. So... That's unusual probably for a health food brand because most founders of health food brands start through a passion for health or they sometimes they have um, a health complaint themselves and they've not been able to find a product that um, is accessible to them. So they've created it and then they've found that other people need that as well. So my journey, my 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 motivation to start with was different. It was very much Africa impact based. Now in the course of the last 10 years, not that my interest in impact um, at the supply chain has diminished, but my interest in health has increased because I've been in this market for 10 years and all of the employees that come into Aduna, uh, well, majority tend to be female and that's because females tend to be majority more interested in health. And I've learned from our team, You know, I've, I have now become the target audience. Um, I've become... You know, I I do my um, I go running a few times a week. Um, I go to Barry's Boot Camp or One Rebel four or five times a week. That's a hit class. Um, I do Pilates. I, I, I use all of my products. I have an acai smoothie bowl, you know. Um, <clears throat> so I do all of that stuff. And I've become more conscious about my physical health, my diet, and my, my physical health. Now... Even more recently I've had a major expansion of consciousness where a new category has opened in that called emotional health as well. Um, which probably for most people is something that they've been aware of for their whole lives. But for me, it's a new kind of distinction. Um, not most
1: not most um I'd say a lot of a lot of us in the West perhaps are disconnected from that, aren't we? But
2: yes. Um So I think there's emotional health and then there's something called spiritual health as well, which are all interconnected. So for me, the physical and emotional are, um, in terms of health, two sides of the same coin. So you can't really have um, real physical health, you know, if you don't have emotional health. You could be going to the gym every day and you could be, you know, if you're a guy, you could be, you know, have the body of Arnold Schwarzenegger. But if, if you're, inside you know if you're dying at death every day, they're not really healthy are you so not,
1: all the body of all the body of mike i mean not <laughs> <laughs>
2: um so yeah so i think it's it's appreciating the need for uh, to give a part of your um attention to your emotional health um as well um however that you know however you do that yourself in my case uh, now that meditation um therapy, um, inner work, reading, listening to podcasts, reading books, shining a light of consciousness on ourselves. Um, So I think this idea of conscious wellness is a kind of holistic idea of health. Uh, That's, that's, that's where we're going with it. That's where I'm going as a person individually. And that's where we're taking the brand into that space as well. Because again, you know, if I have health myself, that's like self-care. But if I only if I only have self-care, I don't care for other people or how I treat other people. I don't care about, I'm not conscious about where does this product come from? You know, is it actually making a positive impact where it comes from? Or is is my self-care at the expense of somebody else or another environment? In which case for me, that's not true wellness. That's that's an that's a kind of selfish kind of personal wellness or self-care so this idea of conscious wellness is expanding our consciousness and our, our whole concept of wellness to be not just about nutrition not just about diet and going to the gym um although it is that that is that but it's also about our emotional health and our spiritual health and the wellness of others and this really is this is the meaning of a doona. this is it the interconnectedness of all living things you know and that is, that is the idea of, you know, that is conscious wellness. You have to care about all of that. That's really good. I think that's,
0: to hear that and hear how you've articulated it, it very speaks to my route into even veganism as well, that it was very much a respect for all sentient life and a recognition of my place in a, in a larger ecosystem than just mine and my own health personal health journey. But how all these things kind of like fit
2: together. Exactly. So, yeah, There's another phrase which we've got interested in as well, which is ecosystemic wellness, you know, and that's, that's a bit more, we're calling it conscious wellness because I think that's a lot easier to understand. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Ecosystemic wellness is, is what you're talking about. It's, it's, it's an appreciation that I am part of the whole, you know, I am not an Island and my wellness is attached to your wellness is, atta- you know, it's our collective wellness which is true wellness. Yeah. I mean, a word that people may be familiar
0: with from way across the continent, which is Ubuntu uh, in Swahili, which
1: I feel that Indeed. there
0: is a, a, a resonance between these kind of like words and ideas that we are, or I am because we are.
1: What's exactly. is, that, is that
0: Ubuntu? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Say yeah. that one again. I am because we are is Ubuntu, which is kind of more has a Swahili uh, uh, origin whereas Aduna is, yeah, a Wolof origin. So kind of across Philosophically the Philosophically quite, quite similar. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Mm. I love that. I am because we are.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, so this has been, like, yeah, really good. I know that we're going to have to kind of, like, draw to an end soon, and we did kind of get very technical, but I think that kind of hearing you talking uh, about the, the conscious wellness with regards to the company, and then I suppose touching even a little bit on how it has affected in your own personal journey, I wonder, like, you know, what your outlook for the future, yourself and then for the businesses and how it kind of incorporates that conscious wellness.
2: Yeah, well, I think, I mean, firstly, I think, you know, uh, Aduna has always incorporated, those themes have always been present in what we're doing. Uh, Now, I think it's more about a new language for talking about what we're doing to to actually share with it because um, right now... um, we're about to kind of relaunch the brand. Um, we're going. We're, we're, we're kind of. It's a kind of rebirth. Uh, it's a personal rebirth for me, and it's also a rebirth for for Aduna. And um, we have a new range of, of products um, of superfood blends, which we're using to um, to bring this uh, relaunch, you know, to out into the world. Um, we're a certified B Corp. Um,
1: also, the products are Fair Wild certified. Um, what's a, what's a, tell, tell us about B Corp, just because not everyone will be familiar with that.
2: Uh,
1: B Corp is,
2: um, I, I suppose, it's a, a kind of movement for um, businesses to make positive impact. I think it's called um, Benefits Corporation. So it's a, it's, a, it's a business that considers its wider stakeholders, um, uh, in the importance of its business, not just its shareholders. Um, and um, it's quite a lengthy certification process that you go through. Um, so we, we have that since last year, but I think you know we're, we're really wanting to um, tell our story now, because um, it's interesting because what we found is that our customers, although we've, we've always been a mission-driven social business from, from day one, most of our customers don't know about that; they just buy the products. And we're now living in an era where, conversely, there are businesses that aren't really doing anything positive, but are making a lot of noise about it. Um, yeah. Hence, greenwashing. So yeah. we're we're a business and a brand that really is doing stuff. Um, you know, we work through the value chain. Um, we have been involved in um, uh, regenerating. Um, communities um, and land in the Sahel in partnership with the Great Green Wall, um, and we've been doing this work for the last ten years, but we haven't really been talking about it. So, so now is our time to to actually share what um, share our values, share the work that we've been doing, um, and build upon it, and you know, hopefully, um, engage people in in this you know movement really of conscious wellness is is our um, you know kind of philosophy but it's it's not our own you know unique philosophy it is a kind of movement that is growing and you know there is a, there are a lot of people out there that feel the same way and those are our that's our tribe if you know what i mean mm-hmm. so we we're, we're really excited about um particularly this year um relaunching and um reconnecting and
1: connecting with this movement really I'd say the, the single best piece of advice um, maybe we could give to the widest possible audience that might be listening to this is just get out in in nature and, and connect with with where our food is coming from, right? Um, I'm off to uh, an organic farm this weekend. Um, and last time we went there, um, was with a friend who commented on, you could see the difference. You, you mentioned soil earlier on. You could see the marked difference between the organic land on one side of this long track and the non-organic on the other. And I mean, it's that's enough to, seeing, seeing that essentially a kind of de- desert death on one side, which is just all this kind of dry soil and an absence of hedgerows, an absence of wildlife, an absence of life. And then on the other side, the organic land, which is teeming with wildlife and Soil looked healthy. I mean, really simple example. But if people that are living in the city drive out into the countryside for yeah. a few minutes, if they can, over holiday periods and see that firsthand, I mean, it really would. Well, it certainly caused us to think, "Wow, we're we already bought into this stuff." But connecting with nature, or even just going to a park, brings this. It's to a life, massive.
0: It? It's a massive missing piece of our education system as well. Mm. People, people don't actually understand that soil in itself is a living thing, and they see it as dirt.
2: They see it as mm, just. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so, when I when I went to uh, to Gambia, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a London boy who've been working in media, you know, advertising and TV for four years, and you know, I was seeing most of these plants for the first time. You know, all mm. I would see of my food is going into Sainsbury's, local, and seeing it wrapped in a bit of plastic. And mm. you go out and see a courgette plant, and a courgette plant is beautiful. You know, and I'd never seen one before, and actually. Mm. For me, I think that was another of the, you know, because I can't say it was one particular thing that you know brought me out of the depression that I was in, but I think connecting with nature was one of them, and is very wholesome to, you know, to go out and see the food growing, and even to to harvest it, you know, <laughs> and then eat it, okay. uh, because that's what you know that's what we would do every weekend. You go out and literally driving with the truck, harvesting tomatoes, harvesting cucumbers weighing them, taking them back and then, you know, take, you know, take a couple of kilos for the kitchen. (laughs) And uh, yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree with you. It's, you know, it's a very life affirming um, experience
1: and kind of grounding experience when you see the food that you're eating. Quite literally grounding Right, Kids love it too. Like it's, and it's uh, again, cost of living. Like this doesn't have to be some sort of elitist, privileged conversation for people who have time to think about this stuff like if you want something cheap to do with your kids take them out and let them run around in a field like they yeah brings brings them to life doesn't it definitely with an understanding of what's going on in the field rather than
0: just aimlessly running around to, <laughs> I mean yes. may, maybe maybe it works for your kids but this was what the point I was making that I really think that from an educational point of view something that has been very important for me to instill in the life of my children you know even as they're still toddler and baby is that all of these things are part of an ecosystem that they are equally a part of I think to Andrew's point as well that when you grow and harvest the food and you in essence you see a full life cycle and you understand how fruiting works and harvesting works it kind of gives you more of a a responsible outlook to remember that we are stewards rather than owners and I think that is very much what I would find and would probably uh, use as a as a as a concept to describe maybe the difference in that kind of cultural outlook in sub-Saharan Africa to a lot of the Western approach that we're stewards of the land, we never own it.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I think with the you know with the our, our main product that we work with in Aduna is uh, I mentioned before is something called baobab, and baobab is particularly relevant in that conversation because um is an entirely wild harvested product so these there's no such thing as a baba plantation you no know, every single tree is community owned or family owned they're scattered um, and so they are a kind of they're a community resource um, which the women have access to And, um, you know, that, that is part of the, you know, the magic of the Baobab value chain is that it is a wild harvested, um, it's an amazing, you know, it's a prehistoric species, a tree that, um, predates mankind. Um, when there was Pangea, there was Baobab trees, you know, before the continent split. And it's this extraordinary wild, um, uh, wild crop. That the women have access to, um, but nobody owns. If you know what I mean, so it comes back to that point you were saying of being stewards of of, of the of the landscape, and part of that is also regenerating that um, you know regenerating the population. Baba population is also important, um, rather than just um, collecting and and harvesting
0: i think there was a, i remember when i had come into contact with some of your colleagues before they used a, 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 a an interesting stat which was if the western appetite for baobab as a product was even as uh, the same as matcha uh, it would change the economy in west africa right? uh, because ultimately i mean that conversation about the desertification of the Sahel and why you're even having to partner and become part of this great green wall project is because of the effects of climate change and the rising temperature and so many crops been unable to grow like, in that kind of whole region. But it does make me wonder that, yeah, like if more people become aware of some of these products, and I also saw that you like, you're going to be looking at Phonio as well. Is that another one of the products that is going to be amongst your superfoods? which I, I, I know as hungry rice because it's almost like a drought-resistant rice kind of crop. And then, yeah, yeah, it
2: was already amongst our selection, um, amongst our assortment, and it is, <clears throat> so um, baobab is known as the tree of life. Uh, the second, and that was the first ingredient that we pioneered in the UK, the second one was moringa, um, which is known as the miracle tree. And after that, we were thinking, well, like, where do you go from here? <laughs> um, and, of course, the answer is Fonio, which is known as the seed of the universe. Um, and, um, yes, this is a, uh, the first crop of West Africa. It's a 5,000-year-old crop. Um, you, you can't go out and buy Fonio seeds from the shop or from Syngenta. The, the seeds that exist are multiplied from the originals. So you've got this original seed, um, and it produces a nutrient dense grain, like most most of your rice or brown rice. You know, it's just empty carbohydrates, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas um, with fonio, I've got some fonio here somewhere. I don't have the packet. Fonio is, you know, is rich in iron. It's rich in zinc. Um, It's it's low GI, um, so it doesn't give you that sugar sugar rush. It's gluten free. and that's your nutritional benefits. And then when it comes to the regenerative part, it's it's literally, it's incredible. So yeah. um, we spoke to um, this Fonio producer in Ghana and what she had done um, working with the women's groups is there were tracts of land because women are not allowed to own land in, in Ghana and in, in lots of many parts of rural Africa, women don't have the right to own land. So there were these tracts of land that had been um, over-exploited and were no longer productive. Um, And um, this lady who started this Fonio enterprise negotiated with the local leadership, um, tribal leadership, to give those tracts of unfertile land to the women as they had no economic use. So therefore, give them to the women. (laughs) (laughs) And um, using Fonio... So fonio has this incredible, um, this, this incredible ability to regenerate soil uh, because of its root system. So within two cycles of growing fonio, the land that was not fertile is fertile again, and that is um, that is what fonio can do in terms of regeneration. So um, so we have this we have this term that we use for our our main ingredients we focus on, which is transformational foods. And so we call them transformational foods because number one, they have this extraordinary health benefits compared to other foods, nutrient density. Number two, they have a transformational impact in terms of generating income um, for communities. But number three, they have this regenerative, um, these regenerative qualities for the environment. So that, you know, those are foods that are really just incredible. Um, Baobab, moringa, and fonio—you um, know, it's it's it's, it's they're, they're extraordinary, and those are the kind of ingredients that have inspired us um, with Aduna.
1: Amazing! I'm going to have to go and get myself some fonio, aren't I On that mm-hmm. after after mm-hmm. gorging you on, so yeah, we, you can order it on a cardo. Gorging on so much, so much um, processed carbohydrates uh, post Christmas. Um, right, we are we're wrapping our show and as always at the end of the these wonderful conversations mike has his three punchy short um quick fire questions for you andrew if that's okay and, and thank you so much that i mean everything that you're doing is genuinely inspirational and i'm not just saying that because i'm your mate but um question number 1 in the quick fire round please what book would you recommend to our listeners Oh. Um, okay.
2: Well, the one that I'm reading at the moment is how to do the work, which is Dr. Nicola La I think. And, um, so if you're, um, on a journey of emotional health and you're thinking, you know, people talk about inner work, um, I'm working on myself. What does that mean? How do you do it? Um, how do you do that? So this is a book from someone who um, who I, I find her insights incredibly powerful he's literally created a book to help you to, to do that on your own without needing you know, expensive um, courses or whatever so that's the one I recommend right now
1: Amazing, and what are you listening to at the moment?
2: Uh, what am I listening to? Um, I'm listening to mainly podcasts, um mainly on emotional health. <laughs> uh, but I'm also listening to my usual selection of Afro beats as well. Um to balance that because um you know you've got to you've got to have a bit of um, joy and vibrancy alongside the um the inner work as well. Any standout artists? Uh yeah lots. I'm i I'm I'm a big fan, so I like uh I like Joe Boy um, I like the obvious ones like Wizkid and Burner Boy um, I like Thames mm-hmm. um, and yeah I mean most of it comes out of Nigeria um, a lot of really really great music for me coming out of Nigeria at the moment hey go on, Mike final question
1: final question is what's giving you hope at the moment Andrew
2: ah <laughs> Well, yeah. Okay. So um, I was given this question before and I thought about it. And um, I think in the theme um, of um, um, conscious wellness, it's rather than looking for external things to give me hope. Now I'm, I'm kind of generating it uh, for myself. So what's giving me hope is the, uh, the results that I'm getting from Focusing on my inner work, you know, and shining the light of consciousness on myself, you know, and learning about myself and distinguishing um, important pieces of self knowledge uh, to improve myself. And then, you know, I've been doing that work for it's like four months now, and I'm starting to see that positive things happening um, in my, in my life, in my, in my work, um, and relationships and things like that. So that has given me hope that if you, you know, if you focus on yourself, um, then, you know, the other things that you want to happen in life, I think will happen more, um, become more of a flow, you know, ultimately you can reach a flow state. I'm not quite there yet, but I hope that that's where I'm, that's where I'm heading. in terms of creativity and self-expression and emotional health spiritual health feeling good you know about myself and therefore being able to make a difference to others
1: and being better as well exactly thank you so much andrew that was amazing
0: thank you andrew yeah really insightful thanks guys thanks for having me
1: take it easy thank you see
0: you later I think Andrew himself might admit that my critique was on this particular version of vampiric capitalism, and Andrew himself in discussing how Aduna operates described a very different model, which rewards all stakeholders and not just shareholders. I think it was also interesting again that in a similar experience with one of our guests, I've also worked in a marketing capacity for food production at scale, and I was so turned off I was pushed over the edge into veganism.
1: Veganism, unbelievable. Whatever next? (laughs) i liked um I liked andrew's um personal journey as well it 's always the personal bit that gets me going in these podcast conversations or just generally in in being with other humans um his personal crisis and as you said, this kind of what am I doing here convincing people to buy stuff that 's bad for them. he mentioned ready meals and quite how disgusting they are um so yeah it it's um his point around extractive versus unhealthy capitalism. And he's really seems to have got to a place now with a genuine stakeholder model with the Duna.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a bit more of a businessy episode, but I mean, I'm in agreement with you. I think it was great to hear the personal optimizations and developments that Andrew's incorporated into his life. He's recognized that there's no physical wellness without emotional well-being, and he's actively working on it. And I think really that's great to hear from an Oxbridge-educated former marketing
1: exec Yeah, that link between emotional and physical health just really isn't made enough. And I'd say guys in particular, particular, particularly white lads like Andrew and I, um, we're not really in touch with our emotional health at all. And that's a big part of a lot of the problems I think we're facing at the moment.
0: Yeah, that was refreshing as well to hear that even as a business at large, This wellness approach that he's now taking to his life is more than an exercise in market positioning. And it's actually a way of life that he's evolved into his very being by being part of such an extensive and I suppose expressive community in West Africa.
1: Yeah, he clearly had evolved a lot by being there. He he mentioned one of his first experiences um, meeting someone on arrival. and was asked this question, or well, who greets you when you get home from work? <laughs> and he was like, well, nobody. Um, and all of a sudden here he was in the middle of a community and we have this often pretty alienated urban experience so much in the West um, and that community is absolutely profound for and profoundly important for everybody and was so pre- profound for him. I like the fact that Aduna means the interconnectedness of all living things. So that speaks to the community and our interaction with the world and nature around us
0: yeah i think that was good to have the understanding of that word and obviously as well to contextualize it with ubuntu and i think both of those sit with words like ikigai and kintsugi so these words that we're learning from our guests are starting to add up but they really speak to a a better being philosophy thank you for listening to this episode of better beings We are an independently produced show and your support is what helps us develop and grow. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with friends, family and colleagues and consider leaving us a five star review wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to our technical producer, Elliot Fisher, and to our researcher and guest facing producer, Tara Rudd. Please follow us at better beings pod on both Instagram and Twitter for quotes, updates and guest insights and subscribe and follow on YouTube, Spotify or Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. Thank you so much for being with us and see you on the next episode.